Welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Podcast. Today I'm joined with good friend, long-term friend, um, Simon Curtis of Curtis Gabriel. Um, I'll let you kind of explain what it is that what you guys do there. So I think that'll lead in nicely to, to what we're going to talk about. Okay, mate. Um, thanks for having me. Pleasure. I haven't done one of these in time. <laughs> uh, so I do quite a lot now, but I guess most specifically for today, I've, I founded an agency kind of full service initially. We did a bit of everything. Um, and then in the last decade, We've become a digital agency, kind of do social design and digital. I think that's our tagline these yeah. days. Uh, it's Curtis Gabriel. Didn't know it was going to be as big as it got when I named it. Cause that, <laughs> and it's cringy that I've named it after me. Um, so we do often now go by CG. Yeah. Um, we work with companies all over the world. Uh, we do... Stuff in, we, we'll work with anyone, but we do a lot in uh, professional services, transportation, the movement of people, and then hospitality are our main three verticals. And actually drilling down there allowed us to grow into uh, a global business that we are today, hailing out of little old Newcastle. <laughs> um, so we do a lot in the States, and obviously that's one of the conduits for us getting together. Um, yeah. and re- reconnecting in, in, in a professional sense. So I think that's enough that yeah. could go on forever. Was that a conscious effort to focus on those three areas and know that you could grow them more than if you just, you know, did anybody's socials? Great question. So initially we tried to become the experts in the Northeast. And to be honest, we were doing that a decade ago when social media marketing wasn't a thing i had used it from my previous roles in promo where we first met and 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 events but no it it was it it, so we went from the northeast um and then people got more accustomed to actually not just it wasn't just a nice to have it was a necessary like yeah and a big change two big changes one was instagram coming out but the other one was business manager and, and ads, as in not just a little bit of pay, boosting a post that it started off as. And it all, and Zuckerberg floating Facebook was really um, a big fact, uh, factor there. And then at the point where it became more prominent, actually being a specialist in an area wasn't enough. And at the time, we had an opportunity. We were working with Hotel Indigo in town. We were running their social, doing a good job. And their marketing director for the management company that um, Hotel Indigo was in their portfolio, we got on her radar. I went down to meet her and pitched what a set of packages would look like across for all their portfolio across the UK. So, and I won it. And we went from being a Northeast agency to a UK-wide agency. And they gave us 30 hotels to start and we had seven days to do it. I didn't sleep because we'd never ramped up at that point. We had four staff and about two dozen clients max. 
So we literally, near, you know, doubled our portfolio o- o- overnight. And what I learned at that point was that actually digital is the same wherever. You just have to learn the blend or the recipe that works for that client. And that gave me the confidence to try and look further afield. But all of a sudden, when you've got the whole of the UK to go after, you've got too many businesses and it's overwhelming. So not by design, not by intellect, but by necessity, we learn that actually becoming an expert in a sector um, allowed you to be able to focus your business development and grow your reputation and your brand. And that is probably the biggest, one of the biggest lessons I always call it now, stay in your fucking lane. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. You can swear as much as you like. Okay, fuck you. Um, (laughs) But we then, uh, we were working with a taxi company in Newcastle called LA Taxis. Right. And we were doing a good job for them. But I actually thought, because that was so colloquial, it was such local, hyper-targeted macro-marketing that we couldn't possibly do that. And, and that was a bit of a lack of confidence and humility, I guess. But the most random thing happened. So a lad that used to DJ for me for years went to work for a software company in the transportation space, dispatch technology. And this company had hundreds of taxi firms. And it was just at the point that Uber was starting to get stronghold that long ago Mm. and he was randomly a client at the same time as a sales um, director for this this company and they just done a deal with uh, a Manchester agency to roll out a joint um, digital marketing package from AutoCab and uh, whatever the agency was called and someone somewhere completely fucked up the pricing and so they pulled out well, Autocab had, uh, had promised to a, a company in Birmingham, Star Cars, a company in Portsmouth called Aquacars, a freebie, because the whole idea is that, you know, they do it, we do a good job, and then they become ambassadors. Um, and my old DJ was like, oh, my mate, he's got an agency, and he looks after a, a, a company in Newcastle. And so this guy, James, who's now a really good friend, rang me saying, he's, he's a brummy, I'm not even going to... Not going to impersonate it, but my axes. Oh, sorry. Um, can you help me out? So I went, fuck it. Why not? But I said, I don't think we'll be able to make it work. But I'll do it. And we smashed it. And actually, one of my guys, who's probably my number two now, Johnny, who's been with me for eight years, he picked it up. We went down to see him. And And to be honest, the rest is history. And what I realized, and there is another point to make here, is a lot of agencies in the UK are my size or a little bit smaller, but they have one big client. And that is 90%. And basically, that that client knows that. And they push and push and push. The whole agency is basically just a marketing department for a, a bit. And there's some Good ones here, but like there are companies in the Northeast, I won't name any names, who have that. And they're desperate, but I didn't go after a big client. I, I, I called them unicorns, but then unicorn became a, a term for a billion dollars start. 
but they were unicorns in the sense they were big little businesses. So a hotel is a multi-million dollar business, uh, pound business, Freudian slip. Um, but it doesn't have that full resource. And the same with a taxi company. Um, and so we were able to get lots and lots of them. So if you lose a client, and you always do, as much as you try, it, it hurts your ego more than affecting people's jobs. Um, and so I found my second unicorn, hotels, transportation. And then we went on a journey to grow the, uh, our UK portfolio. And we were working with IHG, the guys that have Holiday Inn and Intercontinental. We won a couple of clients in Europe. Um, and we got to the point where I was like, shit, if I'm staying in my lane, I'm running out of clients. And then I was at a conference in one of the hotels near Heathrow. I was chatting to this guy that looks like Gimli from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> So I take you're not still friends with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are. With him. I was with him last week. Oh, Luke. And he said, you should take what you do to America. And I looked at him and said, where's the next conference? And he said, Vegas. I was like, okay, I'll go. I hadn't been to Vegas for a while. But I went and I... I'm a confident guy. I'm, you know, relatively good at what I do. I was the most scared professionally I've ever been. I went on my own, you know, and I'd only ever been to the States a couple of times as, you know, a tourist. And you look at America, you think Wall Street, Silicon Valley, Hollywood. I was like, I'm so, you know, every single major platform that we run for our clients is America. And I was like, I'll go, but do you know what? Worst case, I've had a few days and expanded my network and I can chalk it off, that's not an option. I'll go look for all the verticals in the UK. Within an hour of being at that conference, I went from being terrified that I was out my debt to being terrified that they did not know what the fuck I was talking about. It was the most enlightening time of my career. And I couldn't get my head around it. Why, why do these guys just not? and not sophisticated with digital. And then the more you think about it, that, you know, they, they don't adopt technology quickly because they're so fucking big. And it's not just big as in population. It's just everything so spread out. You're still signing up to a couple of years ago. You still sign. We adopted chip and pin. Like, even though all their cards had chip and pin, they hadn't adopted the technology. Mm. You're still signing. You know, you even do today. It's, it's mad. And... And what I learned very quickly was that there were some absolute behemoth, like fucking 500-pound guerrilla agencies that dealt with Fortune 500 companies that were as good as us, if not better. But then underneath that, there was no midway agencies that Curtis Gabriel is. You know, we had 50-odd staff back then. Um, and then we call them bedroom businesses. And they call them mom-and-pop businesses. And so there was a huge gap in the market, in, my, in the vertical, for doing what we do, which is, but we build it, we positioned it slightly differently because we didn't have the competition. We'll give you Fortune 500 level uh, quality service at competitive prices. And we could charge significantly more than what we did in the UK for the same service. And it came with its own challenges. Like there's five fucking time zones. 
is Eastern Time, Mountain Time, Central Time, Pacific Time. Hawaii's on a different time zone. And then, to make matters worse, Arizona doesn't fucking believe in daylight saving. So it's it's so that's another so that changes all year round. Where you know, we had to do that. We then quite quickly realised that, you know, from eight o'clock in the morning at UK time all the way through to four, we we needed basically virtually twenty four hours. Yeah. So I then went to Australia. So we tried hiring some people in the the UK. Um, first off, a guy that worked for me's mate worked for a car parking, sorry, a, 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 a um, traffic monitoring company. And his job was to work nights and watch traffic cameras. Uh, the screen, you know, screens. That sounds fun. Terrible. So he just did it on the, you know, for a bit, just on the side. And we're like, shit, now we've got the US clients. We actually really need to be a bit more effective. Couldn't keep anyone beyond three months. It's night shift, mate. So Australia, very, very culturally similar to the UK. Language is much more similar than US language. Um, and the US language is way different than you think. You know, and I can give you tons of examples. Like most salad products in America um, are named differently. I remember asking for Rocket once, and they looked at me like I had three heads. And I described it. And they were like, you mean arugula? I was like, what the fuck's arugula? So it's rock. It's what you're saying rocket is. Like, right. And then you go down a rabbit hole. You know, French onion is scallion. Coriander is cilantro. Aubergine is eggplant. Swedes are arudabagas. Cool word. Lifts are elevators. Um, waistcoats are vests. Vests are tank tops. Elevators are lifts. And they don't use the word fucking fortnight. They use bi-weekly, but that's duplicitous. Bi-weekly can mean twice a week or every other week. So I'm like, why don't you use fucking fortnight? It makes sense. But they, again, they're like, yeah. and I could go on and on. So language, so language is really interesting within the English. And it's something people don't realize we had to deal with. Adjust to it. But anyway, I got, um, I hired some Aussies and they basically do our night shifts, but it's day shifts. Right. How far out from American time are they? What's the time that, difference well, there? For the UK, it's literally when it's midnight for us, it's midday for them. Right. There's a bit more of a crossover, but we actually, I, I had to build this matrix to understand all the different time zones that we had clients and what we do. And to be honest, after an hour of doing that, my head hurt. I was like, we're going fucking 24-7. Because then I'll have. You need to just take the uh, China approach and just refuse to have time zones. Some people just wake up in pitch black. You know, they don't have time zones in China. They just got got rid of them. Too confusing. They span about six time zones as well. So yeah, some people, will. some people, they wake up, and what should be six a.m. is literally midnight because they're six hours behind. So they're waking up. It's six a.m. and it's. It's so black. do they just have one just time, one time for the zone whole for China, China. and it's, it, it stretches basically the length of Russia? Well, not quite. I, I but, get it, mate. It's massive. Yeah. Do you know what? I watched a, an, an interesting. I, I watched a really interesting. That's the Western media's portrayal of China, by the way. 
Now, don't get me wrong, you know, communism isn't necessarily something I would buy into, but it's a very reduced, you know, it's a diluted version of that. We don't see everything, and we have our own propaganda. Of course That's we do, mate. The, like, it, it, like the BBC. You could argue, mate, that they are actually just more honest about it, whereas, you know, governmental control happens in every country I've done business in, in it. In a very similar way, I think for me, the biggest issue I have with China is their policy on the death penalty. And they execute more people, significantly more people. And, and I don't mind saying I'm, whatever someone's done, I, I'm anti-death penalty mm. because it's permanent. You can't go back on it. And actually a worse punishment will be, a, you know, rest of your life in a cell. Yeah. Death penalty is a way. Anyway, by the way, they have mobile fucking execution vans in china i don't know much about chinese execution um and uh, that knows why i do but um but there's other things about 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 china that i think are not necessarily it's all driven by the um kind of geopolitics and so and socio-economical um issues china fundamentally is has probably a more powerful economy than the but if you look at why and, and the BRICS nations, which is Brazil, Russia, Russia India, India China, China, South Africa. Yeah. Right. And this is this, this, this you talk about like a, you know, on a world stage, it's a polar or bi-, bi Is it Saudi know, Arabia as well? Probably. But yeah. they've been, they've moved away from the, the US. But basically, if you actually look at it, BRICS was designed by the American financial institution because they realized that they have to keep growing. Shareholder value, shareholder value, growth, 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 returns, returns, returns. America outgrew its own economy and the economy that it, that it, um, you know, that it operated in, the West. And America were like, for us to continue growing, we need to create another world superpower. Obviously, uh, you know, this is post-Cold War. And so they set it up and they've got massive pieces of the pie. And that's what people don't realize. And you read about how, you know, are oh, the US is fucked because of this. It's not, no, the US elite orchestrated, orchestrated it. it. Very clever. Do you feel like obviously working in America, you've noticed a difference in their economy and their aptitude towards spending? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So they love consumerism. But that's part of their economy. And we're more conservative. And, but people over there are just more up for it. They like a dabble. Like putting some money as seed capital in the US is viewed so differently to the UK. Like to the point where I would say it's night and day. At that side of business. All you have to do is watch The Wolf of Wall Street to, you know, those tactics of ringing people and asking them if they want to put some money into something. Every single person in Britain forever would have told you to fuck off. No. They just went, what? Yeah, it's cult cultural differences. Yeah, they just said no. Yeah. You can't have any of my money, sorry. Yeah. But over there, you know, because I've, uh, you know, over the last year I've set up another business and got seed funding, some of it from the UK. But the US stuff, they're just like... 
Well, it's, it. it's chasing the American dream, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also more, there's more, that, yes, I completely agree with you, but it's more than that. It's how their economy survives. You know, it's how it the turns around. The money has to keep going back in. But that also means they don't need to charge the level of VAT that we do because people spend more and it goes around. To the point where um, I read a stat last week that the Taylor Swift tour in the US has actually added to the economy because, and that's more than just like hotel bed nights, and people going for meals and, tra- and travel. It's literally just a facilitation of that churn of money. And, and so it's, it's funny because recessions don't seem to hit America so hard because they're not as, oh, you know, they're not just adverse to not spending. I mean, they, it does still hit them because you can also fire someone for no reason like that. Mm. You know, so a lot of people lose their jobs a lot quicker because they don't have that level of protection. The differences between the, the, the two, and I, I like doing business in the States. I like doing business here. But I, I love I have the luxury of being able to take the best bits of the UK over there and then best bits of the US and bring them back here, you know, which is a luxury that I don't think loads of people have in their careers. So I do really feel lucky about it. What do you think the main thing that stops people from trying to take their business to America is? It's, it's like expensive, 50 different countries, mate. isn't it? It is and it isn't. But yes, it is. It certainly is. Like I was in Florida a few weeks ago and I went all the way down to Keys, which was basically like driving to the Caribbean, but there was a Walmart and a Chick-fil-A there. Um, California is totally different. Very, very liberal. You know, New York and Boston, uh, hustle and bustle. But even the states are so big, mate. It's like colloquial, um, like rural America. I mean, that's interesting because you can go a full day and not see anyone. It's so big. Yeah. I don't think people realize how big it is. I'm going to put it in context for you. So the UK has 78 million people, right? America has 370. But the UK is so densely populated. So there's differences because of that. Like we do spend different, um, but Kentucky is twice as half the size of the UK, but it has four million people in it. So if you if you bring it up, ratio it up, that would be eight million. But we've got an extra seventy million people mm. in that space. The the UK, the average population density of the UK. The only place in America that, is, that has a higher population density than the UK's average is Manhattan. Right. And that's because, and Manhattan's massive. Skyscrapers of the skyscraper. and everything. I guess, you know, with America, you can drive for five, ten hours and still be in the same state. Yeah, you can, mate. In Whereas England, we can do from one end to the other. Well, in England, if I drove from here to London, I'd pass 20 different accents. That's how densely populated it is, that the people will change drastically. You probably do pass through 10 accents, like distinctly different yeah. types of people all the Jordy, way down. Macken, yeah, Middlesbrough, York, Yorkshire, all different types of Yorkshire accents yeah. down into yeah. Sheffield and Birmingham. Yeah. It's very different though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and, like, and, and then where I'm from, a Nottingham accent, sitting from a Lincoln accent, and then you've got an, uh, like a Northern South and mm-hmm. even in London, there's different accents. London, yeah. so it's, and I think you th- just because we speak the same language and we are like al- allies, 
the country is so similar but so different. And mm. I know that is an absolute contradiction, but it's but it, it it's true. And I have enjoyed that journey and learning that and the language that I taught. Even law language. Like and when I got the seed capital, I had American investors and UK investors. And I the deal took longer because I had to fucking learn what everything meant and translate law language between US and UK. Ugh, I've got a headache thinking about that. But, you know, and there's some differences and there's some, like there's a wild thing in America called a lien. So if I, if you felt that I owed you money, whether, even whether you had proved it or not, you can apply a lien on my property. So literally, you can have, um, and then you can't sell that until the lien is settled. Like you'd never be allowed to do that. You'd, in the UK, you have to prove it beforehand. So we actually got some money out of someone through a debt collect agency saying, if you don't start paying this, we will put a lien. And if there's a lien on a business, that means you can't, you can't borrow, you can't sell. So it's like a debenture. That's the equivalent in the UK, I guess. You can put a debenture on someone's property, yeah, but, you, but you have to prove but it. You have to prove it. Has to be it something first. in place to put a debenture and, on. And, you know, and both parties have to agree to it. Yeah, that it has to be a con. It has but to in, be contractual. But, but in, in America, the states, you can just be like, "He owes it," and then I'll have to invest to prove not to get the lien removed. It's a fuck on. But that's I, I could go on, and we we'll be here. here we'll be talking for a day yeah. on all the differences, but. But there's a lot of similarities as well. Like, you know, we just went, um, one of my American colleagues went to uh, Blue Line Taxis, a, a, you know, massive northern company. And the principles are exactly the same. So it's the first time she's spoken to a UK company about what we do. But the similarities are there. You know, pe people are people. Like, but, you know... Going back to your point about why do you think more people don't do it? I don't. I think people don't think they can. It's daunting. Like it was for me. I think capital the outlays a lot, but there's some benefits. Like they love a trade show over there, so you can put all your money, business development dollars into trade shows. So people actually talk to you and engage, not just kind of like awkwardly look, look at you and move on. I'm like, why did you come? Their bosses sent them and they have to go. So yeah. they're just... Yeah. But you have owners coming and people bring whole teams and it's four days long and it's packed full of education. So you can volunteer to do that, ed you know, education and it gets you your brand out. They seem extremely confident. I know this is obviously, you know, not the best example, but even watching the differences between Dragon's Den and Shark Tank, they look like they've had media training. The people who go on to Shark Tank jumping around hey sharks and they've got a whole thing planned out and they've got slideshows and they're doing crazy stuff dragons dragons den there's a guy with an unbelievable idea probably worth a few quid mm. reading off a song yeah. dragon i want to just be but that isn't media training mate that is and i'll tell you what that is that is an acceptance over there that you can be flamboyant and eccentric and it's okay it's like in the UK, if you saw a big table at a restaurant holding hands like this and saying grace, it would be mocked in the UK, which is a really sad state of affairs. But So I got invited to dinner 
So randomly, one of my clients sponsored a NASCAR race. Right. And his, his brand, company branding went all over. Um, and we got invited to, because uh, I was working for him, to go and activate it. I happened to be in the States, so I thought, fuck it, I'll go over. And before, you know, we sat around, we were drinking, and before I needed, I needed a piss, so I went to the bathroom. Um, I wasn't there long, and when I came back, everyone was staring at me, and all the food had been served. I was like, why are these fucking lunatics not eating? And my, and my client was like, come on, sit back. It's because they wouldn't start eating until they said grace. So I had two guys either side just holding hands with these two men. Um, and the prayers lasted about 10 minutes. The head of the family, the, the, the guy who owned the company, son drove, said grace. And I got prayed. And he went round everybody and said an individual prayer. I got prayed for. And do you know what, mate? It was wholesome. And it made me think, do you know what, actually... Something I love about the States is there is more of an emphasis on family. And, and I think that some parts of the UK have lost that. And it's not the same. And, and so whilst you could, some people I think in the UK would view that backward. It's not, in my opinion. I think it's wonderful and it's wholesome. And, and that's a part of States that you never think about. When you're bashing America, which people do, and they do things that deserve it. And I'm not going to talk about geopolitics anymore, but I actually think that's an amazing part of it. I think the, a big part of that stems from the requirement to have that in, the sort, in a country like America, because it does seem like there isn't a huge safety net. In a country like America, when you talk about you know, lower to middle, middle class, in the UK, first of all, middle class is different, because if you're middle class you're not middle class in America. Middle class is like, you own a business, you've got family money in the UK. Middle class in America is just kind of, you're not poor. That's right, isn't it? Middle class in the UK is like... I actually, I, I don't disagree with you, but you can't compare it. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll explain why. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons. So, first of all, in America, in the UK, and you're an immigrant and you come over, you kind of can't really get anywhere if you don't speak English um, and you don't embrace some parts of Western culture. Not all of it, but a perfect example is probably like, I, you know, I think of second-generation Indians that I know through cricket. They all have an accent like you or I. You know, they don't have like an... When they talk English, they don't sound Indian. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to do that. Um, in the States... It isn't uncommon for areas to have basically no one full of Mexicans, Mexican community, none of them speak English. I got my hair cut once uh, in a Latino area because it's the only place that had availability. Even the app to book it was in Mexican, Spanish, and they knew I was English, so they were trying to talk to me about football or soccer. It was the most awkward half hour of my life because they put, I don't speak a word of Spanish. They don't speak a word. But you, that wouldn't happen over here. It, could, it couldn't really. I don't think this Because everyone's on top of each other. So, again, a lot of this all stems from geography, you know? So it can all be... You can have those pockets of different cultures who don't have to integrate because mm. 
it's so big. So what, what I was saying about but America, the safety net, can I just interrupt? Because yeah. I've remembered what I yeah. really wanted to say, because you're absolutely right. Like you don't get state pension over there. So, and people work a lot longer. And there is a lot of, uh, you know, an emphasis on, right, a dad set up the business, his son takes over, and he makes sure that he continues to pay his dad a salary and his mum a salary. You know, I've literally got client after client that do that. So more people work for themselves than, than over here, probably. And I don't know the stat on that. That's just an observation. I don't know if it's correct. But a lot more people. So because you have to work for longer, business is probably a bigger deal over there, actually. But it bleeds into your social life and it bleeds into your family. Whereas over here, a lot of people, and it's, it, I, I think this is why I suit America, because I've always liked to, to work. And then sometimes I'll work, but I'll hang out with the kids or I'll go on the piss with my mates or go to the cricket. But most people in, in, in the UK aren't like that. They're like, right, it's five o'clock, that's it. And I don't want to talk, you know, and even when you go out with your work friends, oh, let's not talk about work. I'm like, why not? That's why I know these people. Uh, any, anyway, over there, the, the it, family spills over with friends and social life. It spills over with work. So it's all together. And that is out of necessity because they don't have the health system. Sorry, they, sorry, they do have a health system. They have an amazing health system. They don't have free health care, universal health care like we do. That is a fascinating one to talk to Americans about. If you want to have a really interesting conversation, talk to Americans about the NHS. It blows their mind. It's sad, though, really. It's sad to think about that one of the things that I've never spent a second worrying about is whether or not I'll get ill or someone in my family will get ill. Obviously, I don't want anybody in my family to get ill, but it's not a financial worry. Correct. It's not, you know... You have two kids, right? Yeah. Imagine worrying about being able to pay for your um, partner's health care whilst giving birth. That's crazy. By the way, I don't think we've got it right. I don't think they've got it right. I think a blend of the two would work best. Universal healthcare, I think, is, is ethically right, okay? But you have to be able to pay it. And actually, our healthcare, even though we've got amazing doctors and nurses and, and healthcare and everything, and I'm not bashing it for a second, it's amazing. But it isn't as good as the US if you can pay, pay for it. But even if you've got insurance, what people don't realise is... It doesn't cover the whole thing. No, and you've got deductibles as well as the fact that they will say, oh, we will pay this much. So, like, you've got to make bank to have a kid over there, you know, and, and that's what, and people die because they can't afford it. Now, that's wrong, but also overstretching it and cause it, um, like, over here because we literally can't afford the way we do it. You don't have to stop doing universal health care. Like, I remember someone saying... Here's what I would do to fix it. If people want to pay to jump the queue, let them. That will fund it for everyone else. Healthcare. What's going on now, though? It's too polar. It's either it's paid for with insurance, the American system, or it's the UK. It doesn't. There can be a middle ground, and there's ways you can do that. Like something that would save the NHS billions is not sending letters. Like it's 2023. Send a fucking email. Oh, but what about people that um, don't have a phone? There's hardly any of them now. And send them letters still. That's okay. But you also, they send a letter to the... You don't just send a letter to you. Send a letter to your doctor. 
It's the one-size-fits-all approach. And it shouldn't be. Because they were so willing to invest in the Track and Trace app. It wasn't, they weren't sending letters for Track and Trace when it benefited them. No, I, tol- I, I totally understand what you're saying with the NHS. And people are already paying for private, but then they still have access to the NHS as well. So why not I, I just- pay for private and I've never used it. Because I'm like, I don't know why. I mean, I haven't been that sick in the last decade. I, I've had my money's worth with my auto, autoimmune and my shoulder reconstruction. But I would have paid towards that. And the other thing as well is, like, I explain to people that the way it works for the NHS is you, um, you get referred by your GP and you have to wait six weeks and then you go and see a specialist. And the specialist says, you need a scan. And then you wait six weeks for the scan. Then you wait six weeks for your next appointment. And that goes on and on and on and on and on. Whereas in America, it's bang, 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 bang. You do it all in a day. Bang, 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 bang. Because it's been funded, right? Because they want you to do it quickly. Please do it now because we get paid. So imagine if you paid for that. or Because, by the way, now we all get the same. And what we've got now is still good. But it would get... The ironic thing is it would get better if you just let some people pay for QGM. Like, I would pay... I'd be like, take my money if I had the option when I've taken my kids to A&E because they've been idiots and have run into a door or climbed something. You know what, kids? I've got to wait four hours with them to get seen. I'd be like, I will pay serious money to jump the queue, you know? I don't know. I haven't fully thought it through, but a lot of these differences, I think, in a, between America and the U.S., all come from, like, you don't get state pension, you don't get universal health care, you don't get benefits, all these things. Mm. So they have to operate differently. So there's a gravitation to the, um, the, the you know, the, the family cell, you know, um, for looking, you made that point before. I think as well, you're in the UK, for, for the majority of people, and I know that there's people who suffer with things that would make this more of a reality, the average person's miles away from being homeless. Miles away. A lot of shit things would have to happen in your life. And there would have to be such little support system for you to become homeless. The amount of people that would take you in, if you were you know, from any sort of background. The fact that there is also shelters and things. Whereas in America, an entire family could become homeless. With a few, with a loss of a job and an illness and before you know it you don't have any money and you're homeless and the thing yeah so that actually happens people exactly but that's what drives that family element and 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 even and and comfort you know people within the industry become friends in in an industry they work in and and that becomes a big part of their social life because they look after each other too so actually even though the state doesn't look after it, it actually challenges humans to do it and that's actually quite wholesome. Did, did you see the guy who um, they were doing the Refugees Welcome Here March in London? And there was a guy trying to get them to sign up to take a refugee into their house. And he was going, oh, will you, will you take a refugee in? And they were going, no. And he was like, oh, someone else's problem, is it? They were going, yeah, someone else's problem. And he's like, okay, great. And every single one, he was going, oh, would you sign up to, to take a refugee into your home? And they're going, because they're, they're on the march. And they're going, oh, oh, I would, but um, my house is too small. So the refugees from wars in foreign lands driven by the West. Yeah, who's displacing them. But they're there they're there protesting 
but the guy there with the clipboard trying to get them to sign up. They, they weren't just, doing anything. They just want to hear nothing about it because it's... It's making them feel better. Virtue signalling without having to actually do anything yeah. that's of any... Yeah. I'm a big fan of equality of opportunity. I think that... Too right. Giving, giving everybody an equal opportunity and trying to do everything that we can to level playing fields is the, the right thing to do. And Alex, equality of opportunity happens. is important, but equality of outcome can only be bad. Here's an, an, another one I want to mention. So... You know, steering a company to stop using a third world country as a supplier just fucks those people over because they haven't got a job. And, you know, there's so much right and wrong with the world, but it's the selective. Yeah. This, and you, you make such a good point. That I want to help people. I believe that you can run a business without always having to go shareholder value. You know, you can put, the environment and people's welfare above share. You can still make money. You know, I could make a lot more money and not look after my staff like I do, but I'm not going to... So you can find the middle ground. Mm. But at the moment, it's you either one or the other. You're in one camp or the other. But that is... But, but that's by design. That the, yeah. th That's by design yeah. by the elite to keep us controlled because if we're divided, we don't unify and fuck them up. What fascinates me about America from the outside looking in is this, you know binary approach to you have to be this or that mm -hmm. and i find that if somebody has a set of values which all align either right or left there's been no critical thinking at an individual level you can't tell me that you believe all of those things without without but you leaving yeah. the beaten track but at you, all you have to yeah mate you're so right like you know you've got to be and it's more binary in the us and the uk because they don't have a third party like the lib Dems. It's all, but everything in America is politicised. You have to have these set of morals, which some of them don't even really correlate with each other anyway. So now you've got this just ideology, which makes little sense. And you have to, you have to follow it tooth and nail. Otherwise, you're kind of kicked out of the group. And obviously, the, 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 the biggest issue with the whole thing is, the problem is with the right wing compared to the left wing, is that the right wing will, will band around one ideology. The, you know, the far right, they don't need to be right wing. You don't need to buy into all of their ideologies. You just have to buy into a few. With the left, you have to buy into all of theirs. Oh, and if you're not left yeah. enough for the left, they'll kick you out. So, oh, you actually think it's, oh, you don't think it's okay for gender reassignment surgery of a seven-year-old. Well, you're no longer a liberal or like um, J.K. Rowling. So now J.K. Rowling, who's been a lifelong feminist, is now no longer left-wing to her just, like, dissatisfaction. She's been kicked out. And all that does is it pushes more people to the right. What are we doing now, then? So, it's a cool story, you know. We met through Newcastle Eagles. Shout out to Paul and Sam Blake, two of the best people I know. Um, you were on the academy, weren't you? And I was helping Paul with some of his commercial stuff and just... Very lost after I wanted, I, yeah, I didn't want to do promotions anymore, didn't really know what to do. Thought that was all I was good at because I later made a lot of money at a very young age and thought that's all I could do. But I knew I needed something different. And Paul actually helped me understand that my skill set and my both learned uh, n nature and nurture skill set was applicable in the corporate world. And, and I did really well and I loved it. I met some lifelong friends through that, including you and. And I, I was kind of transitioning, so I was still doing some work in, an, in, the, uh, in a couple of nightclubs and bars in town, in, in Newcastle, and 
we got to know each other and y- you've got lots of chat. So I was like, come and, come and do some stuff. And, and, you know, and then, so that's a cool story. And then we kept in touch. You went and did your thing. I set up Curtis Gabriel. And then I can't remember whether you messaged me or I messaged you. I think I've always... I think we've messaged backwards and forwards. Because I've always we? seen stuff and given you some advice yes. and tips. Because yeah. I like doing that, you know, good calm. Um, but you've built an incredible platform for um, taking education to market. And we just started chatting. And I was like, do you know what? I've got a good brand and my, my staff know what they're talking about. So we, you know, we looked at it and are now about a month away from deploying a joint venture whereby, you know, using the empowered know-how and tech stack coupled with my team's knowledge of practical delivery of digital marketing. And a point of differentiation here, which is amazing, is you can go on Google, you can do all the Google courses, you can do the Facebook course, right? It's fucking hard and it doesn't, it gives you the theory, it doesn't give you the practical application. Or you can go to uni and the fact is by the time you've learned, by the time you graduate, what you've learned is out of date. By the time they've wrote that course and then deployed it and taken it to market, the world has moved on. Massively, massively. So we, you know, we had this conversation and went, do you know what? Why don't we do, why don't we, you know, a, a course for aspiring digital marketers run by digital marketers, mighty, you know, and... And that's galvanized them. And it's, yeah, I love the fact that I've been able, you know, I'm like, look, it's, this isn't a brand. You know, the brand helps. It adds credibility, both Empowered and CG, but it's your team, you know, and your, you know, your team, we've worked with Elle, who, um, you know, is dutifully policing this. Yes. And probably will edit out most of <laughs> the last half an hour. But, the, but, but, but more, more importantly, the course that we're going to take to market, we've built something that is going to teach people both, you know, the, the how, but also the, the why and the what. Yes. And you don't get all three. And, so it's, and we have worked with so many businesses in so many countries, different blends of, of digital marketing. We're doing content creation. We're doing ads. We're doing organic. We're doing uh, SEO, pet, all, all, all of this. So it is a course that anybody who wants to upskill wants to get into digital, it will actually move their needle as opposed to just a, something that is a tick box, but you don't know what the fuck th- to do with I it. I think the key is with any sort of course is connecting the students with the subject matter experts who have boots on the ground. I think boots on the ground is so key. And we're seeing a huge transition in the education world to learn like peer learning and learning from people who are actually doing it. Because like you said, things become outdated, but also the passion and enthusiasm shines through of the people who are enjoying the job that they're actually doing. It's put a smile on the face of my team because it's something different. It's something they're passionate with. And they like the fact that I've had nothing to do with it other than knowing you and doing the deal. I'm like, get crack on. Spoke to your um to, to some of your team today when we when we went in. And one of the things was it was refreshing for them to actually look at it all written down, the procedures that they take. And they're going, actually, I, I'll look at that bit or I'll look at this bit because people who do things within the organization that they don't necessarily know what they do on a day-to-day they're getting an insight into what they do and they can hopefully apply some of those things because when you're in the industry and when you're doing something you don't always have a chance to stop and think because you're always having to move and you're always having to that, do things that you, we've given them the um the luxury of reflection yeah and a reason why they're reflecting 
Um, yeah. Okay, so there's a there's a charity that we help in the US. One of my clients set up a he has PTSD, urban pause. It's called. He he was a police officer. He now owns a luxury chauffeured transportation company in Sacramento, Hawaii, LA, and San Francisco and Vegas. Right, great guy. Has PTSD. He's a police. He's a cop. Never talked about what it is, and I'm never going to ask him. But he bought a litter of pups that he then and then paid a trainer to train them up, and he donated them to people. And now he set it up as a as a charity. We're helping him. His guy, member of staff, Jeff Downs, lovely, lovely guy. You know, we're going through and we're steering the ship of helping him produce content. And in a month's time, I can go to Jeff's boss, Dave, and go, Dave, put Jeff through this course rather than us, you know, drip feeding him stuff. So this will help not only people looking to get into the course, but it'll help employers upskill their staff and whether they end up doing it themselves on the back of it or just being able to optimise the agency yeah. resource that they pay for. It, it plugs a skill gap whereby sometimes people know so little on the digital side of things that actually it's when you're giving them things, it's like trying to put a square peg into a circle hole because they don't actually have the baseline knowledge to facilitate what did I say? A square, circle hole. A circle hole, a round hole. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mate, circle, I, I'm going to adopt circle hole. Yeah, circle hole. So, uh, yeah. But sometimes the, the, what they're doing, it just doesn't speak to what you guys are doing. So even if you're providing them with top quality content or you're providing them with, you know, the systems, it's good for them to have someone internally who can speak to your guys and yes, go, I know what that is. It's, and it's not just the how it's the what and the why yeah you need those three things and so much of, of 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 my business world is like there's always three pillars it's like when i uh trying to learn a business i always go um where have you been where are you now where do you want to go you know it's the the why what and how in that sense and do you know what like some people might go oh you're not cannibalizing yourself i'm not i'm a fuck because I tell you what, I can do better jobs. So when we, we have a, a, a contract with Hilton across Europe, Middle East, and Africa, we run their central food and beverage stuff, Taste of Hilton, right? And we can't go to the thousand sites across EMEA getting content. No. So we work with the marketing teams and the F&B teams and the regional directors, and we do tons of upskilling and training on how to take a good photo using a smartphone. Um, you know, writing a brief when you've got a professional, professional photographer in to make sure that it's suitable for di digital. And then we take the best content and, and, and bang it out. And, but that training has, has, has helped it. But being able to put it down on paper and go, This is it in a go. box. I found out from working in education how many businesses are actually a version of an education company, how many businesses are actually teaching the clients and the people that they work with, the basics so that they're able to integrate what they're doing. Every with day them. is a school day. Yeah. The biggest factor of whether we will be successful with a client isn't how good we are. It's how they embrace us. How they adopt the processes. And, and it's hard them. because you in the sales process you have to say, this is going to take some of your time, certainly up front. Well fuck me, it'll be worth it. Mm. And 
that's a hard thing to do, and you've got to be confident. And I certainly didn't do that a decade ago when I started Curtis Gabriel. You said, we'll do everything. Like, please, please give yeah. me your business. Give me your business, and you won't even have to think about it. But do you know what? There's a guy who took us on Manson's, right? Manson's in Jesmond. In, you know, really good Jesmond-based, northeast um, property company. I say that because he, he, he's an estate agent, but he does rentals and all sorts of stuff. Client for eight, nine years. To the point now where we know his business inside out. We were reflecting. We met up earlier in the week because he's a uh, he is the vi- He's a trustee for Newcastle Dog and Cat Show. Went there days ago. All these kittens, it's fucking so cute. But you know they do a great job. They do an amazing job, and we're gonna help him out. And we were just reflecting on it. It's like. Yeah, we know his business now, but he said, but we didn't at the beginning. And the time that you put into learn my business and I put in to learn your, and the way that we met in the middle there is why we're still working together. And I was like, you know what? You, you're right. And it, it's, it's just natural practice. It's, it's, it's a business a relationship, isn't it? It's said. a business relationship. It's not a one-way thing. It's more there than just be... transactional. Yeah, definitely. And that's where a lot of people get it wrong. We don't work because they think I'm paying them all this money and they need to do it. And by the way, if it's a key vertical of ours, we can do it because I know that we can work out for our key verticals and you can just you not know their do industry anything. As well as that. And we have stock imagery and we have the ability, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, they, they can get better results if they, if they, if they put more, more time in and upskill. But this course that we put together is a perfect perfect conduit for that it's i don't think we ever spoke about that side of it and what this could do for my business mate but it's like you know that's that's class and we'll take it to the states that's what we're and australia and you know and i'm looking forward to also helping you with your core business because you don't just have a tech stack that anyone can use because i've introduced you to um ken who's like looking to do some financial courses in the uh uh, grand transportation sector in the US and I'm loving seeing how that's that's going Evolving. yeah yeah and I'm excited to um take things into the states and and your bit you know in your fitness your business and you have two courses don't you you have the the one where you become a PT and the one where you become a better PT upskilling the PTs upskilling. to be able to um treat it like a business you know with the fitness industry it's it's a little it's always been a few steps behind the majority of industries because really? it's just because it's so new and because a lot of the prints a lot of the actual practices that you see in the fitness industry that are happening now were happening in tech and finance 10 years ago because obviously those businesses are more lucrative more r&d goes into them so they take you know things go online a lot sense. quicker with but that's those ironic industries. given the amount of investment into sports science which i did it college or university by the way did you do sports science at university Yeah, most of my mates from college like one of them is in saudi arabia setting up all the performance centers over there so is he a sports scientist he yeah but he he so he did sports science then he then he did a master's in strength and conditioning luke what else he's been i'd like to speak to him if he's a sports scientist because i didn't know there was any yeah Oh, like, really? Well, mate, mate, Luke Luke worked for Middlesex. He's worked for England cricket. He's worked for England women's rugby. Wow, that's amazing. He's worked for Wasps. Unfortunately, they went bust, but he got a job at, at, at Tigers. What's happening he's here is... For, you know Duncan Friend? Yes. He worked with Duncan French. People what? are like, how do you know Duncan French? Because when we were in Vegas last at a conference, 
I just rang Duncan and said, Duncan, can you, can you send all my best clients? Can you do a tour for them? We, well, money can't buy tour. Well, I'm eating my words now because on a podcast, two podcasts ago, I said that I'd never met a sports scientist before. So I'll stand corrected and I'll... Um, Look, it's because you're... You, you, it's, it's not eating your words, mate. You didn't know. Yeah. Look, you don't... Uh, there was a 120 people on my course, right? And you go and do sports studies and then you either become... You go into the community side and the coaching stuff, sports science, and there was another... Oh, I can't fucking remember, but... You don't stop there, mate. You can't just be a sports scientist and go and become, you know, work with Seb Co. right? You go and that's your basis. Then you go and do a master's. There's loads of girls on my course, and not because it was a girl thing, just it was just a set of girls that went and then did physio. And they would never have got onto the physio course if they, if they hadn't had that. Science. You know, um, my mate Emma and, and, and Phil, they're married, they met through me. Um, both now... Uh, Phil now works, um, went to work for GSK and then has her own business up here. It's an amazing business. Um, but Emma's still a, a lecturer. She's a, she's a lecturer, but she did all that study in order to get there. She didn't just be like, I've got a sports science degree. I'm going to be a lecturer. Luke went and did loads and loads of strength and condition courses, did a master's, did a PhD. So you're right, by the way. You're not wrong. You haven't met. But you've met sports scientists, but they don't identify sports scientists. They are sports scientists, but also experts in a particular. Yeah. It's like I'm a businessman, but I'm an expert in business development marketing. Yeah. You know? So you have met loads of them, mate. I've met loads, loads of sports scientists of hiding in plain sight, just yeah. not, not admitting to and it. And to be honest, mate, you're not going to admit, admit it. I can't believe I've just fucking admitted <laughs> that on a, on a podcast. I did it. And the, do you know what makes it even worse? I did it. I did a few modules of human geography. So I did sports science and human geography. I tell you what, the, uh, the geography of people was... That's probably helped you oh, massively, with, your, with what you do now. So we even did a, a topic on the, um, the geography of pleasure, tolerance, and disgust, and how the, the, human, the, the human element of how one person finds something pleasurable... Some people find it disgusting and some people tolerate it and everything to do with that. And you end up digging into, um, like, you know, spaces, like gay spaces. And actually, um, you know, we, then we discussed that certainly 20 years ago, um, lesbian uh, women actually were not oppressed, but it, gay space should have been for them as well, but it wasn't. It was male-dominated. So... It does explore, um, you know, gender, and it does explore um, race and all these things. It was an amazing... Sounds really interesting to be fair. But, yeah, I don't use my... Do you know what's mad, though? My network allowed me to have be able to speak to a couple of people to get hold of Paul Blake. If I hadn't met Paul Blake, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So it, it, all, it, it, it all helps. People say, would you go to uni? And I would, I came for, I lived in a small town, Grantham, where Margaret Thatcher's from and Isaac Newton. Um, but I needed to get to a city. It was a what small a combination. Town. Two legends what in their own. What a combination, Margaret Thatcher and Isaac, Isaac Newton. Newton went to my old school. Did he? Yeah, his, his, 
his initials are engraved in our library. It's really? one of the oldest schools in the. Is the tree in the in the school garden? No, that was in Harleston where my mate Dan Woodhead lived. Oh really? Yeah, just round the corner. He that tr- apple the tree, magic tree, still, still there, mate. Yeah, still there. Um, but would I've gone to uni? Genuinely, no, I wouldn't. But twenty years ago, I would, and I learnt more through playing sport, socialising, getting out and living by myself for myself in a in it. That's what you need to do with uni, mate. Yeah. I, do I use sports science now? Do I, I had a chat with the guys, um, Johnny and Yusuf, who'd both been at university, but were using their degrees at different, you know, different rates. And Johnny actually said that a better way to do it would be much cheaper because it's too expensive now. When you went, there wasn't the financial kind of, I don't, you know, wasn't, I, I kinda, wasn't nine grand a year. Mate, I don't even want to say how much it was. Yeah. Was it like two and a half grand a year? No, it's a grand. Oh, really? Well, fucking nine hundred quid a year. So, so now you're, you're talking like you know, best part of forty grand plus your bursaries and plus, the rest and the rest. Mate. You said what would be a better use of that is you go, you live somewhere for three years, you pay a couple of grand a year, and you can study whatever you want. There's no degree at the end, but you can just you know, no, you're, you could you're get not, a degree or an apprenticeship. I think there's a yeah, hybrid of it. Of the apprenticeships. It are, yeah. Let me give you an example. So. My mate Andrew, who lives in Jersey because he's so fucking loaded, right? He is, um, he sold rentalcars.com to booking.com for stupid money. He's got a new business. I've become really good friends with him, really tight with him, right? Andrew Sonarchi, you know, public school educated. This, um, and he rang me up saying, can he come and work for you for a year? And I'll give you some money towards it because you're billing me anyway. Just teach him. I thought, yeah, why not? Let's give it a whirl. Archie left us after a year, went, went back. Because I'd taught him everything and he was, he was good enough. And he's got friends that are one of, you know, one of a year of four years. They've got another three years to go. He moved to another city, lived on his own. He learned all of, all of that. And he's ready to go. I work with him now. He's my point of contact for, you, you know, that, that, client yeah it's that's it. the way to do it now someone will go oh but andrew's rich he's privileged it's like well even if our even if archie had self-funded that or got bursaries it would have been a fucking fraction of the money that you pay to a you to a university the the fact of the matter is that he's obviously knows what he's doing he's intelligent he is rich and he's decided that that was a better use of his t- money was to send him to actually go and learn from somebody. I think if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about that situation, he could have sent him to any university you wanted to, by the sounds of things, oh, anywhere mate, he wanted. And flown him in a enough. private fucking jet. So yeah. the fact that he knew that that was going to be his best ROI, he didn't do it because he was cheap and didn't want to send him to uni. He did it because he knew that that was going to put but, him in the and, best but, position. But here's the thing why people won't do it. I, he had a relationship with somebody... I, me who knew that he'd be looked after but if there was a system that facilitated that where you got education and um commerce to work together and there was some kind of i would send my kids to that but right now i don't want my kids to go to uni unless they really want to go and they want to do something vocational yeah you know because you it have to go to, to uni if you want to be a doctor, a doctor or, or a dentist. dentist or a vet right yeah but if they want to go 
and do, you know, or they maybe want to come and work in my business in the they future. They don't need to do a business degree. But I would do what Andrew did. Yeah. I would find another business for them in another city to go live yeah. by themselves. My, my biggest advice to somebody would be, when you're starting out, don't get a job, go get a boss. Go find somebody that you like. Go and find someone that you can see you want it to be like. And I've always... I went to college, yeah, but I didn't go to university. Because I went and worked for James, who's next door. So James, next door, he's already been on the podcast. The spectacle guy. No, no, no. uh, In the the gym next door, James Garrity. He had a gym. I went and worked for him, almost doing an apprenticeship, working underneath him because he had his own business. He'd opened his own gym. He was doing well. I had experience of working underneath you in in the nightclubs, learned things from you. I knew I could learn things from him, see how to do it practically. And rather than go and spend money on a degree, I knew that if I spent time with him doing stuff for free, that it would eventually pay dividends. It did. We worked together for two years, and now he's next door. Do you know what I mean? It's because I can see. That's a great piece of advice, Alex. That is a wonderful piece of advice, mate. And do you know what's sad is some people will still go, oh, you've not got a degree. I don't even fucking look if people have got degrees (laughs) when they apply. Do you know what I would value more? And we will give anyone an interview when they're coming for one of our, our jobs, unless it's a design job. It's if they've got their own blog because they've learned creating content, you know, proofreading, social media posts to drive traffic to it. That's, yeah, and, and anybody that, I, that asks me, what would you do to get noticed by someone like me? Not that I do the hiring anymore. And that's what I say to them. Set your own blog about, and then what about what? I'm like, whatever you fucking like. It can be about turtles if you like mm. turtles. I've just thought of that meme, uh, that, that little gif. I like turtles. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking I about? Don't. Elders, you edit, she laughed. When you, when you edit this, can you. I can put find that, that I like turtles, yeah. And put it, put it in. Yeah. Because it's this, this, this American kid who's um, uh, at a Halloween party and he's getting interviewed and she asks her a question like, oh, have you. You know, have you been trick or treating? And he just goes, "I like turtles." He'd write, he'd write an amazing blog on turtles. By the sounds of things, not sure anyone would read it. Fucking internet is brilliant because I'm now I, I my mind is snowballing. Now I'm thinking about that that the the ginger kid who was like, you know, everyone that discriminates against gingers are racist, and it made it onto South Park. That did. When I think about ginger kid meme, I think about the the one crying saying, "I want her back." Have you not seen that one where he's crying? It's like a Snapchat video and he's just going, I just want her back. And he's like, that's my favorite meme. Here's something wild. So there's a, there's a meme with the guy with the beard and you think it's Alan from um, The Hangover, Zach Ginopolis. And it's like, like, he's he's almost, his teeth like this is like, it's not, it's, it's not him. It's It's just a lookalike. No, it's another famous actor who looks like Alan. Oh, really? From like, but 30 years ago. I, fuck, I can't Oh, I know what you mean. It's like this. And he's got like a little neck thing on. Yeah, yeah like yeah, a turtle yeah. neck. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Steve, Steve, I like turtle. And that's not, I like that. It's full circle. But the thing is, the point is, right, if you like fucking turtles, write a blog about turtles. Yeah. Right? Build an audience, build content, make sure it's good. You'll probably learn WordPress. You'll probably learn Canva. Yeah. You know, and some basic, and you've got something about it. And you can, yeah. you can work practically on something and get it off the ground, which I think people value more than just a qualification that because let's face it it's easier to get a qualification than it's ever been because people are incentivized they're all businesses i mean education companies have always been businesses but they are businesses and if you want to do a degree 
they'll fucking find one for you. I've got a mate who does golf studies. Not shitting on golf studies, but he need, like a fucking degree. But look, it's not about like it's about who you are, and it's about what how you what, apply what you yourself. Show. But I, th- there is there is merit to having some letters or some qualifications because it's a ratification of what you do, yeah. and that's why I'm proud that we've put this together because yeah. I have built a business and a brand as of you that we're bringing together, and it will. Do you know what? It's not about the fact that you'll get a high five from me, yeah. me and you at the end, or uh, you know, Ellen Mia, right? I'd rather have a high five from Ellen Mia than me. And yeah. You. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that I know that someone does that, they will be able to. Um, not know what to do, how to do it, and why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the same thing with the with a degree for some people as well. And also, my best member of staff's a graduate, so I don't know what I'm talking about, really. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a second. Why do some people mandate a degree? Because do you know what it does? It doesn't show me how clever you are. It means it that, that you moved away out, and you stuck yeah. at something for three years and did it well enough. For some lecturer fuck to go... Do you know from my experience as well, something that I can like pretty much guarantee someone is going to be successful if they've done this, if they've left their home, if they've left their city and moved somewhere else by themselves, or if they've left their country and moved somewhere else... They're not broke or have several fucking illicit habits. But the, the thing that I can see is people who've moved away from their country and have started somewhere else... They just have a different level of, of just, you know, ability. International confidence. Because what you're looking for as an employer is somebody that can fucking handle, ha- yeah. handle themselves. And, you know, I've been on course with Ella. I've, I've, and I know you're referring to her. Yeah. I, it, moving country, yeah, but, but even just moving out. I'm excited to launch this course. I'm excited to do the other things. Yeah. And I think we should definitely do this again once we've launched the course. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> if we're not cancelled. Reminisce back. Yeah, I was going to say, L. If this is still on the air. This is the, well, thank you for joining us on the le- last episode of the Empowered Podcast. Be- <laughs> right, cheers, mate. Cheers, brother. Thank Good you. To see you.